And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. And you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight on one of our great radio stations. All right, Walmart stores across the U.S., this is from CNBC, are grappling with an uptick in shoplifting that could lead to higher prices and closed stores if the problem persists. Uh, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan said yesterday, theft is now a big issue. It's higher than what it has historically been. He told CNBC's Squawk Box, we've got safety measures, security measures that we put in place by store location. I think local law enforcement being staffed and being a good partner is part of the equation, and that's normally how we approach it. Mm. Walmart isn't the only big box retailer dealing with an uptick in theft. Last month, Target said shoplifting has jumped about 50% year over year, leading to more than $400 million in losses in this fiscal year alone. Uh, most of shoplifting is an organized retail theft rather than petty theft. Uh, they they said when asked on Tuesday about how local jurisdiction uh, handle shoplifting cases, McMillan said a lax approach from prosecutors could impact prices and lead store closures, uh, lead to store closures down the line. If it's not corrected over time, prices will be higher and or stores will close, which means in these cities where they have said, sorry, we're not going to go after shoplifters anymore or you have to steal a certain amount. By the way, that's a great point. When you do this, when you say that, all you can, if you steal 900, uh, just fill out a report. Yeah, right. We're not seriously going to look at it. Right. Well, then you're just, you're, you are just, uh, you're, you're basically inviting organized crime into your city. According let's to, get, let's yeah. get 50, 50 people to steal 900 bucks in this particular store. Uh, according to Business Insider, uh, they say that. They're, they likely, Walmart, they likely lose 1% of their U.S. revenue by stealing by from theft alone, and that's about $3 billion. 1%. Yeah. 
of their revenue, their annual revenue in the U.S. And let's look at the stores. He didn't do this, but let's go. The stores that they will close are the stores that have the worst theft problem. And what he's insinuating, which is true, these are happening in the cities that don't take theft seriously. Ah, um, by the way, that's the, uh, they, they cited a Reuters report uh, from 2015. It's much worse now than it's ever been. And they also included theft by employees and that mm-hmm. theft in general uh, is likely 1% of their revenue, $3 billion. But how much of that is, because see, the CEO is clear, it is higher than it usually is or, or was in the past. And that has to do with what's going on everywhere. There is... I, I don't even know why we're uh, 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 the feeling why anybody would feel like they they just have to they have to justify explaining it. It's obvious. You have so many uh, New Yorkers that say liberal New Yorkers. The crime is it's out of control. It's what you voted for. Yep, it's what you voted for, and you voted again for. If it. you live in the cities, this is what you voted for. And and the thing that's interesting, I'm old enough to remember. When cities would complain that you would not have grocery stores, you wouldn't have pharmacies in the city. So finally they went into the city, and now the cities have done everything to ensure that those stores will move out. And then when the stores move out, they'll scream racism again. And, you know, this is this is the entire uh, – It's and it varies by – by city and and uh, jurisdiction, all these DAs that don't want to prosecute, and we're not going to prosecute. Well, we're not going to. We're not going to. You know, look, uh, you can get away with whatever. And and what you're telling you because and the reason they show up quite often in groups, there's more than one person because each person can steal a thousand bucks. I didn't see. Was it? Was it? CVS or Walgreens are closed in in a number of cities, and none of them were suburban cities. No, they were major major they, cities. They were all all yeah, you Walgreens. saw all the well, yeah. Walgreens. You saw all the places they were closing yeah. were major Democrat liberal cities. No, and and uh, the and this uh, is another it, case. It varies by store, but well, if if that store is is getting hit heavily. What else do you do? But this is another case, as we just said before. This goes on to the narrative we were talking about before. Democrats don't care about the people. They only care right. about the narrative. Right. They don't care if it hurts people. And yet, Democrats keep voting these same people in. And that's why that's why you have some of the, uh, you know, s- some of the uh, opinion that exists in the suburbs or from Republicans says, let them go to hell. Yeah. If that's what they want to do, if you vote to let your city or state go to hell, well, then let them go to hell. There's nothing we can do about right. it. What can we do about it? This is what they're voting for. They're voting for these people to destroy their cities, their local society. Well, there's nothing we can do. Let them destroy themselves. Right. But don't don't export it to where we are. Uh, the, uh, where we're broadcasting from, uh, Dallas County DA, Cruzeau, uh, the local media, one local media outlet,
phrased it as he quietly, this happened recently, it was a few weeks ago, uh, from the local NBC affiliate, uh, NBC5 here, uh, was they, they published something November 21st, so it was a few weeks ago, uh, that he quietly, they didn't write it quietly, but another outlet said he quietly rescinded his controversial policy on theft of necessary items. He had a policy of not prosecuting thefts of necessary items like food, diapers, and baby formula. And then he said, he basically came back and said, well, no, the people spoke out and, and of course I listened. Well, you had major retailers that were saying, bye. Bye, we're gone. If you're going to let them come in and do their grocery shopping and go home. Because the other thing is, it's not just individuals. It's that you've set up home. Organized crime now knows what we can yep. steal. Yep. And we can steal... We can steal everything that they have because the DA isn't going to prosecute. Right. So let's go. Right. You want to make it easy for organized crime. <laughs> organized crime will get involved in anything. Oh, it's only baby food. So the only people that would steal baby food are people that really need baby baby food. No. Organized crime will steal baby food and sell it for pennies on the dollar on the street. Yeah. Sell it for half price and make a ton of money. What type of idiots are... And these are people in law enforcement. You know how organized crime works. Yeah, right. And right. That's the, these, and these, these uh, things now, I mean, they're organized. You know, we saw... What was it? What was the, the one where... With, I forgot the, the store that was robbed. Was it in San Francisco or whatever? Mm. That it was all organized. There were a group of like 20 people that came in and just ripped off the whole place and left. It's like, hey, just make sure when we walk in... Don't take over whatever the amount is. Don't take over 900. But look, it's baby food. Let's clear the shelves. No, that's it. And and the, the policy, basically, they what wouldn't prosecute is. theft cases where the value is under $750 unless evidence shows. What evidence? You're not enforcing anything. Unless evidence shows the theft was for economic gain. How are you going to prove that? <laughs> There's the arrogance. Well, we better not wagging well, the finger. We better not find well, out that you sold it to somebody. All stealing is it's, for economic it's gain. For their own economic yeah, gain. What what stealing isn't for economic gain? Here's here's his comment. This is a, again the uh what an idiot. Dallas County DA Cruzo. Was it what an idiot? Here's his quote back then. Of course his policy is no longer in play, but here here's his uh still an here's idiot. his quote. Quote study after study. This sounds just like AOC. Study after study shows that when we arrest, jail, and convict people for nonviolent crimes committed out of necessity, we only prevent that person from gaining the stability necessary to lead a law-abiding life. Oh my God! What happened please. to that? What happened to that opinion? Criminalizing, yeah, right, exactly. You, you no longer believe that. Yeah. Criminalizing poverty. Well, give me a break is counterproductive for our community. Idiots. You know... Well, then why doesn't he resign? Well, here's... Yeah, because you no longer believe that, and and people voted for you. Resign your job. Based on that. So, in part. So, you know, this... But this is the... This is the nonsense that goes on. This is the... and, And people believe... 
want to believe, oh, there's there's no effect. It's just a AOC said it. The narrative began a long time ago. Cruzo was able to get away with it for a short time as policy. Oh, they're just stealing milk and bread. Give me a break. Because, man, if you could get your hands at one point, if you could get your hands on some baby formula, you struck gold. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you could find it. Wow. Didn't even think about that. The shelves are empty of baby formula. That's a, that's a necessary because, item. The, because uh, organized theft, organized crime right. is stealing it right. all off the shelves. Yeah, sell that one to the mothers. Right. Excuse me. Birthing persons. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? I'm sorry for my bigotry. Mothers that, will that, be a... That might not have sounded sincere. Yeah. <laughs> How soon are we undoing the whole Mother's Day thing? Birthing person day. Didn't somebody try it this year? Did they try it? Didn't somebody would you, say something like that? If if they it needs that needs to be more organized this year. Make it more organized. We can do a couple of shows on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Please. You you've already you've already abandoned women. Wouldn't the natural progression be to abandon mothers? Well, yeah, of course. You know, mothers don't exist. Mothers, if mothers, if women don't exist uh-huh. and mothers don't exist, then Mother's Day can't exist. Yeah. Yeah, no. You're not going to honor. You and I can, you and I can celebrate Birthing Persons Day because we have the potential to give birth. As males. And all of these so-called women know it. Yes. These dumb women who don't know that we can get pregnant. Get with the times, ladies. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling I, you what it's just it, in me. It, it's just it, completely it, it insane. It really is so <laughs> stupid. And this all comes from Democrats. All of this no. is from Dem- the insanity comes from Democrats, which is why it's all frustrating. The results of the election when the Democrats are involved in absolute insanity, and every Democrat listening right now to my voice and Eric's voice knows that. You know, it's complete and total insanity during record inflation and total insanity. They're still winning major elections. Yep. In fact. They gained a seat in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And what put him over the top last night? One of the most radical leftists that the majority of Georgia voters disagree with where he stands on the issues. (laughs) That's what we're dealing with. I have a headache. 866-90-RED-EYE. It pays to have a tire maintenance routine especially during the winter driving season. Between black ice and heavy snowfall, winter weather can impact your tires and your productivity in a number of ways. Here's a tire maintenance tip to help you avoid downtime and roll safely through winter. Check your tire pressure during every pre-trip inspection and make sure they're properly inflated according to the manufacturer's recommendations. Cold weather naturally causes tire pressure to decrease and underinflated tires can wear faster and impact your fuel efficiency. 
Maintaining proper tire pressure is essential to maximizing the performance, safety, and lifespan of truck tires. This report brought to you by Lubrifiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Hey, it's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE uh, if you'd like to uh, get in. Uh, Jamie Dimon uh, yesterday, mm. J.P. Morgan Chase, CEO, said inflation is eroding. Consumer wealth may cause recession last year. He says that consumers still have $1.5 trillion in excess savings. I just love that term. Excess savings. Excess savings. From COVID pandemic stimulus programs and are spending 10% more than in 2021. Inflation is eroding everything. I just said, and that trillion and a half dollars will run out somewhere mid-year next year. It may very well derail the economy and cause a mild to a hard recession that people are very worried about. Yeah, there. Look, um, excess savings. Ultimately, and remember, there was consideration for him to be Fed chair at one point, and also consideration for him to be the uh, Treasury Secretary. <laughs> um, and he's uh, sounding a lot like Janet Yellen. But ultimately, Ed, you know, his company can see. What people have in their in their savings or in their accounts, and you see how fast that all that money is going to go. Does he know that for sure? If, if well, the, if the majority of Americans, if the majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. right now, there's there's the disconnect right there. Is is what you just hit on? There are still wealthy people. The wealthy people aren't feeling the punch in the gut. Not that they're not feeling it. Everybody feels inflation. And they recognize it. They know mm-hmm. it's there. But they're not feeling the, they're not having to make uh, the decision on, uh, do I make a car payment or do I pay the rent? Do I buy groceries or do I pay the light bill? All right, there it is. Uh, the latest was, well, this was in October. Mm. 63% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So it has to be greater now. 40% of small businesses can't make their rent every month. Mm-hmm. Where is this 1.5? And you're talking small businesses. Yeah. So where is this 1.5 trillion and who's who's hoarding it? Right. Yeah. Because if 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, then they're not they don't have the excess savings. No. So who has this excess savings? That Jamie Dimon and the Democrats haven't talked about it in a while. They talked about it last, or about, you know, what, four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. But they haven't mentioned it in a long time. Mm -hmm. Who's Jamie Dimon talking about? How does he know that? Yeah, because you can say the collective as a, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase. And you can extrapolate that out to other 
uh, banking institutions and say, all right, here's the total number. But it doesn't represent the average person. Right. And if you're going to say that, and, and, and again, that because it sounds, it, it, it's, well, it is. It's, it's, it's arrogant. It's thoughtless. Because you could say, all right, uh, the, the top 2%, 3%, whatever, have savings. But the majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. You can say that there are, is some in savings, but it doesn't apply to the average American. And he knows that. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. So just looking at uh, inflation overall, and, uh, you know, you and I looked at and said, um, well, the rate of inflation may go down, you know, and and, uh, numbers come out, what, next week for November? Yeah, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And as you made the point, and I actually looked up what it was, you, you know, we've always made the point, what you have to understand is inflation is year to year. So if inflation, for example, six months ago was, uh, what was it, whenever months ago it was, 9%. Hmm. Well, that was based on, you know, that month. And I can't remember, was what was that, July or something? Maybe July was 9%. July or August. Yeah, cause that, was, that was July to July, August to August. Inflation hadn't increased that much you know, on that base level back a year ago. But now, for example, if inflation uh, if inflation is up, let's say, 7%, and they say, what a great victory this is because inflation is coming down, what you have to understand is that is a percentage number that is based on inflation from November of 2021 when inflation was running at 6.8% yeah. from the year before. Right. So your your percentage is on a greater base value which makes the dollar value, and that's what we you, that's what you should be looking. You should be looking at when we had two percent inflation, and then we lost that. Right. And you yeah. need to do that. I believe you need to to show the true impact of it. The percentage doesn't give you that. I'm not saying you have to eliminate the percentage, but you also give the dollar value. It's important to give well the dollar value of what you could buy here versus what you could buy a year ago, and then uh, a year and a half ago. Give and those numbers do come out because we've talked about, uh, for example, what is it? Uh, if you go from the beginning of when it all started, it could be seven, eight thousand dollars. And then, as you and I said, they also need to get and look at inflation with necessities to sit there and eliminate, for example, food and fuel because it's too volatile. Well, that doesn't do any good because those times when it really goes up affects people. Mm-hmm. So you need to make clear those numbers so there is an understanding uh, about how bad inflation is for the things that we really need to buy. Because you and I have said, if you look at, for example, uh, you know, the car loans, we looked at the car loans out yeah. there and, and, and how expensive it is right now to get a, a car loan. But if you look at energy, food, rent, mortgages now, well, that's all about living. Those are all the basics of things 
that you need and and electricity well electricity you know energy those are the things and those have gone up more than than core inflation or just the regular inflation number and that's what's really impacting people especially with cars um because you know you can choose to rent or which is also skyrocketing or buy a home and all right then you're going to keep renting because the cost of borrowing money is too high but when it comes to having to buy a car you know you look at the average rate for a car loan and then you apply that to somebody who may not have the best credit you know and for whatever reason and we can say okay a series of bad decisions or whatever happened and especially right now after covid there are a number of and i have a a family member who is an underwriter for a major corporation and both after the recession out of 2009 and now there's similarities after, you know post covid of well I lost my job and because everybody was working from home, my industry couldn't work from home and I lost my job and, and the unemployment wasn't enough to keep up with the bills. I was, I was actually making more by working and their credit is trashed. And now they need to buy a new car because everybody's going back to work. You know, these, these are the things that, Again, have a, a you. It, we always like to go back to, you know, where it all began, what the idea is, whether it's the uh, subprime mortgage thing, and we go back to the September thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine article in the New York Times that warned that that program was going to be disastrous, be and it was. Yep. And the, you know, we we like to go back to the beginning of, of what the cause is and 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 where and and what the solution would be but in a situation like this there is no solution i mean the fed raising rates okay we get to and most people believe there's going to be a recession um uh we get to a recession again because we were actually in a recession earlier this year but we get to a recession people are laid off you've got again the the cost of borrowing money you have very few choices everything is skyrocketing i was just talking to somebody who works in the music industry and they were elated that you could start doing shows again and then it hit inflation means well you can't afford the same guitar tech you can't afford the big light show if you're a massive act, if you're Elton John, you can afford it. But most musicians that are touring are not. And I know a number of people and have for decades that work behind the scenes. They're they're the crew members. They uh, one one good friend of mine uh, is one of the top lighting guys you'll find for live shows. He's worked with all the major acts. And a neighbor of mine that that's worked with all the a, a guitar tech, very talented individuals. These are top of the game, but you've got to pay for them. The artist has to pay pay for them, and then you got to get your your trucks. My, my neighbor that that is a guitar tech. Uh, we were talking uh, regulations uh, for for truck drivers one time, and he was kind of 
picking my brain on a couple of things that he could share with the truck drivers that were out on the road with James Taylor. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. James Taylor, how many trucks do you guys have? He said, eight. I said, for an acoustic guitar and a stool? But it was a massive, massive show. I mean, it was a, a, a huge act. You know, of course, those are different setups. They go set up for a show days in advance while the other crew, crew uh, the other trucks go to a, a separate market uh, town and, and set up there. That's how it works in reality. Uh, so it requires a lot of diesel fuel, which is still at $5.05 a gallon on the national average and much higher in other places. The cost of staying in a hotel through the roof. The cost of eating. And if you're going to take your techs on the road with you, and these major acts most often do, because you want a guitar tech that knows. You become very good friends with your guitar tech. Uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath posted something the other day. His guitar tech of 30 years plus had passed away. And it was like, wow. You you bond with these people, but you pay them because you trust that they're going to do what they need to do so that your show comes off for the fans. But you can't afford it. Because you got to pay for them to be on the road. You got to pay for them to travel, eat, stay in the hotel, all of it. And, you know, these are the things that that hit every day. These techs, these these crew members are everyday people. My neighbor is and his lovely wife are great people. And, you know, he loves what he does. But these are things that hit in an economy where you don't think about the depletion of wealth that Jamie Dimon was was talking about. Again, we question the whole excess savings thing. But you go, you know, when you when you're talking about post COVID, when the when they had to shut the world down. And now we're in a situation where many people just haven't been able to really get back on their feet or get back to 100, 100% pre-COVID. And now they actually need a car because they're having to drive to work and they need to go buy a new car and you're going to pay that kind of money for it? I mean, the loan. Not just the inflation that hits the base price of the vehicle, but the loan to go with it. Yeah, we were talking about last week because it surprised both of us when we saw the figure. The average new car loan was over $750 a month. Right. The average new car loan. Yeah. The average used car loan was over $650. That's, that is just yeah, was, insane. I know. I remember a, when if I had a, a – if I had to pay, you know, 250 a month and I always bought used – if I had to pay two hundred and fifty a month, including insurance, yeah, yeah, and I was like, no, no, come on, there's a better way. And and look, if you're living in a major metro area, you're going to put miles on that car. Your trade-in cycle is going to be a good turnaround. I don't know what the average is, but 
when you hit that and then all of a sudden you need a car and you've got to get out there and well borrow you go into finance office and sit down here you want some water come on good to see you and boom you know and and i go back to a couple of uh, years ago when i remember looking at what the average you know what it was to to you know cost to have a car mm-hmm. now this goes back maybe about 5 years ago and this is for the average person who takes out a loan and everything else and it was like well i don't know 7 or 8000 a year yeah well you right. look at it now if it's for a new car if it's 750 you know you haven't even got to insurance maintenance anything right on it so you're talking 10,000 a year no matter no wonder so many young people say look i, I want to live in a city near a bus line Right. I, don't want, I don't want to own a car anymore. I'll take Uber. Right. I'll take Uber. I'll take the train. I'll do anything. A car is, and we've always talked about this, that the price of cars going up as they have over the over the years. And with this focus, and remember, the price of electric vehicles is being subsidized not only by the government, but what you pay for a gas or diesel-powered vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so they they keep going up, and, and those up. prices are going up. Yes, yeah, across the board. You know, Rivian had a bunch of pushback when they uh, kind of, I say, sort of midstream raised the price of their trucks, and people were like, "Whoa, no, we're not going to take on that kind because inflation and supply chain issues and all this." And so they they kind of backtrack a little bit and said, "No, no, no, if you've already got a." order placed for the truck it's you know we'll honor whatever it is and but the fact of the matter is is that it's not going to get any cheaper and a lot of this has to do with standards set by the government cafe standards we've talked Mm -hmm. about for years that the oems have to abide by they don't the oems they don't control the rules but when you have a state like california that says nope after 2035, you're not going to be able to buy a gas-powered new vehicle. All new vehicles sold must be EVs. Guess what's going to happen? The OEMs are going to say, well, we we have to up our fleet and offerings in the EV market. Now, is that making it less expensive? Nope. No. And... We don't have, in terms of the uh, uh, the batteries and lithium, we don't have the mines here in the U.S. We don't have lithium. I mean, well, I s- think Ch- uh, Chile is is probably one of the largest mines uh, in terms of nations that have lithium you, available. You saw because of the last Democratic bill that Europe is going crazy and there may be an EV war now because yeah. of the subsidies right. being put on by the United States to protect the American EV market. Right. And now the other countries have said, we're going to have to re- – you, you've created a trade war. You cannot subsidize yeah, exactly. to this level and keep us out of the right. subsidies. Right. And it's, ju- it's just a cluster in the EV market it is. right now. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, talking about inflation, Eric. 
just uh, happened to see this headline article from Axios. GoFundMe campaigns take off for inflation-strapped families. Uh, GoFundMe campaigns for gas, grocery, and baby formula needs raised more than $80 million this year. Uh, yeah. Let me see. GoFundMe here for um, 110% increase in the number of baby formula fundraisers um, among that shortage. Uh, campaigns for gas and groceries grew 60%. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's affecting people, you know, and it's going to continue to do it. So it's only going to get worse. And like I said, with Jamie Dimon, because that's how we originally started talking about this, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO uh, said, you know, yeah, there may be a trillion and a half still that hasn't been spent from all the stimulus, but wherever that is, it'll be used up here in the next six months and then yeah. boom because inflation's still going to be affecting people yep and that's when the recession hits he believes this is red eye radio on westwood one It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. He is Eric Harley. Welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today on your smartphone. And if you can't listen live overnight on one of our great radio stations, you can listen when and where you want. You know, we were talking about uh, Walmart and theft earlier. Mm. See the story? Fox 5 from Philadelphia had it. A Philadelphia gas station owner fed up with the crime threatening his employees and customers hired heavily armed security guards to watch over his business. Neil Patel, operator of a cargo gas station in North Philadelphia, recruited Pennsylvania agents, Pennsylvania site agents, clad in Kelvar vests and AR-15s or shotguns. They are forcing us to hire the security, high-level security, state-level uh, he told Fox 29 there, we are tired of this nonsense, robbery, drug trafficking, hanging around gangs. The final straw for this owner came after he said his business was vandalized by young people and an ATM machine was stolen. His car was also a casualty of crime mm-hmm. around the area. We were Kelvar. Kev- we are Kevlar. Kevlar. What I say? Kelvar. Kel- Kel- I said Kelvar. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that they're wearing Kevlar because if they're wearing Kelvar, maybe that's like a cheap knockoff. I, I am not dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> Kelvar. <laughs> we wear Kevlar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are trained. My guards go to training every other week. They're proficient with their guns and with their taser, and they know the law. Uh, I was at a national chain convenience store and it's a big one 
and I saw this advertisement. Come work with us. It was on site, and it was for security. And I thought, wow, I never thought about that. Um, but they were, you know, um, they were promoting it pretty heavily. I'm not sure if they are armed at that location, but uh, they, I think especially in major metro areas, you know, you've got to have, you know, one of the things that Walgreens did is they hired investigators. They're not, they weren't armed, um, but they, and, and I believe CVS did this too. But they what they wanted to do is get information on what was happening when people came in and did the you know the the theft and then and then took off. They hired these investigators to find out to track that merchandise. Then they found that it was being sold, you know, on websites and everything else. And they're going to spend money on that, and then they're going to determine what they can do about it, whether they're a mom and pop in Philadelphia, or whether they are a national chain. Uh, the national chains are now saying, and we talked about it earlier, uh, the Walmart CEO, if theft continues at this rate, they're going to have to close certain stores. That means neighborhoods, and we've, we've talked about urban blight and how if you if more and more companies can't afford to stay because there's not going to be enforcement of the law. There's not going to be uh, a uh, a prosecution for those that break the law. Then those companies are going to leave. They're not going to sit there until they go bankrupt. Since hiring the guards, the owner claims his business has been free of loitering and other crime. Well, I mean, you've you've talked about it. Either you're back to urban blight again, yep, or it looks like a war zone. No, that's it. I mean, because you have to hire people that are prepared yeah as he had that where kevlar mm-hmm. and carry uh ar-15s that's an intimidating presence yeah in order to make people feel like they can come to your business you have to look like you're in a war zone right because as many of these people say well we are yeah they are it is war for them because they're fighting for their existence this is their livelihood and, you know, the one um, Portland, Oregon store that closed yeah. and, and left a, you know, a, a letter on the door. And uh, also uh, they did a media interview and said, and I'm paraphrasing, we were we, the critics would say, well, the insurance, you know, pays it. So you have an insurance policy. They pay you. You get paid. Well, that store owner said. After the third occurrence, we didn't get reimbursement. And there there have been, and I think it was something like a dozen more. You're going to, at some point, the insurance companies look at it and say, yeah, you're asking to get it, uh, to get your stuff ripped off. If you're staying in that neighborhood, if it's a high crime area, we can't, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to insure that or at the very least, we're going to pass that on to you, and it's going to be very expensive for you to get insured. There was an analysis done about when riots happen in a city that they don't recover for decades. Remember we brought yeah. that? Uh, yeah. 
uh, to everybody uh, just probably a couple of months ago. We mm-hmm. brought that. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't willing to do. Most small business people are not going to do what that gas station owner is doing. They're just going to leave. Right. No, I, I think they're, they're you're up, right because I mean, they're, because this it, this is a huge step. Not just the expense. You know, because as you mentioned, it, it, all the equipment, uh, the training, and 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 then paying the personnel here. Uh, that's that is very expensive, but you're taking a huge step, and you mentioned something for the law-abiding patron that comes in for their gas and their soda. It looks intimidating. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and you know they're not there to rip anybody off, but it you know it's like wow, it, it, and so. Most store owners are going to look at it and say, I can't do it anymore. I, I just, I can't stay here because long term, the question is, and, and I would ask this of this store owner, do you think you can be profitable long term with this? And it, it, I support anything that he wants to do. I think it's great that he's fighting back. But my question is, is that sustainable? Can well, you do that long term? Well, you just you just stated it because when you walk in, uh, I'm assuming that in in order to provide the image that this owner wants to, probably these security guards, these agents, are not going to be extremely friendly, right? And therefore, you walk in, it's so heavily armed, you're wondering if you're being looked at at that point, right? You are as a yeah, regular no, customer. You you're like. Yeah. Are they looking at me? Are they looking at me? Are they looking at me? No, Walmart That's... has uh, cameras with screens on them that are activated by motion sensors. When you go down certain aisles, that screen comes on and it shows you walking down that aisle. Yeah. And it's recording you. Yep. And the reason they put that in place is because of a crime that's reoccurring, theft in that store. That's something that, and, you know, for me, it's, I'm just trying to find my wife's brand of shampoo. I, I, that's, that's all I want. That's all you're going to see on the camera. Wow. And, but, they've, but they've, got that, they've, got, in, they've got the shampoo behind, you know, uh, locked doors. Locked shelves. No, no, they have it behind the security camera. <laughs> no, but there. I mean, that's the thing is that that's expensive stuff she's using. Yeah, um, that's. But no, seriously, you go down the reg. It, it's and and that's that's a great point. You're go. You're walking down a regular aisle. These aren't high priced items. Wow. It's just that the aisle is set up because the warehouse store, uh, warehouse store, uh, the big box store is set for you know high shelves, more shelf space, right? Well, that blocks visibility, and their crew can't sit and monitor everybody every day. And so you'll go into corners of the store where camera's going to come on. It's going to turn on as soon as somebody walks past it. Any motion will set the camera off, and it will start recording. And it is there to intimidate a would-be thief. That's the whole idea. Hey, you you can steal, but we got you on camera. Most small business people, though, I would suspect, are not going to do what that gas station owner did. No, they're just going to no. close up and they're going to leave, like the 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 shop in 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 Portland did. You're not going to stay. You're not going to stay in a war zone 
were seven or eight miles away, you don't deal with that problem at all. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, you you probably are more inclined to take your gas station out, you know, into the country and hope that Javier Bardem doesn't walk in and ask, ask you, to you to call at, heads or tails on yeah. a coin. No country for old men yeah, you reference. Can't, you can't stop what's coming. You can't stop what's coming. I love that. I, By the way, I love that scene. <laughs> that that actor that they got to play, you know, the the counter guy who's yeah. who's uh, you know, he's uh uh I think his wife, he's told him that his wife owned the place and he's you, yeah. you know, he married her or whatever, but mm-hmm. he's working there and Yeah, yeah. and he's just what that's a wonderful scene. Yeah. Because you know it's go, it's, it's so the subtle. contrast. Yeah. It's the contrast to yeah. a uh a, a normal probably seemingly uh law-abiding peace-loving non-violent individual very soft-natured and the evil that is in the brain of javier (laughs) bardem's character yes exactly (laughs) yeah wow no that's a it was a great and it's a great scene it made my palms sweat yeah First, I'm, I'm like, well, just just get it over with. Well, the, I, I won't tell what happened, but the first time is the worst because you don't know what's going to oh, happen. Oh, no, no. And you figure it out. And, and then I'm I'm wondering, yeah. is it going to be a gun or is it yeah. going to be, does he have Does he have his air gun with him? His oh, air my pressure, gosh. His air pressure gun. <laughs> yeah. It's, which is a, it's the, uh, it's the cattle gun. Yeah. You know, that came out in two, 2007. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting that they used a cattle gun. Yeah. Right? Yep. And and what it represents of how he doesn't have any regard for his victims. No, none at, none right? at all. Like, no. yeah, like, you know. It's like the nice hitman, big, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, just, the, the kind, mannerly hitman. Yeah. <laughs> just a large herd of cattle. Well, was he? You know, a, that's, was he actually a hitman? I think he was, but he, that wasn't his. His job was to get the money back. Yeah, that was really the right. Right. Yeah. Because, but I thought he was a. He was supposed to be a hitman because they he knew, uh, whatever the guy's name was, the mm-hmm. other Javier's, mm-hmm. whatever his name was. They knew each other. They were familiar with each other. Right. Right. Yeah. But so they, but they implied that. The yeah. Tactics. Yeah. There were a couple of things where it was implied. One of the murders, you didn't actually see. But you, you, you saw Milton get. You murdered. saw him come outside and kind of look at his boots to make sure that his yes. boots were clean. But you saw Milton get murdered. Yeah, from it, office space. I, I'm, it, I, I don't. I, I don't <laughs> wish to flip the coin. <laughs> well, SNL should do something like that. They should have done it back then. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So. Um, I mean, you know, that was, so when, when you see that in Philadelphia, I mean, it, it's sad and you wonder, OK, can this business well, model hold? And he said, you know, there is the, the customers, uh, you know, some think it's great, some don't right. because there has to be an intimidation factor. Or when I walk into the store, if they're there and they're looking at me, there's a lack of trust from you and you've been in the neighborhood for a long time. Why don't you trust me? Well, I mean, that's it. You know, I've been going into this uh, convenience store in my neighborhood for, well, 27 years uh, next week. And for a long time, probably almost 20 years of that, same owner, 
And I know the guy that, that uh, for for several years that opens the store every know him by name. All this, you go in, you want to feel, you know, as a patron, you just go in, oh, I'm just going to get a bottle of water or whatever, and you're in, you're out, maybe get some gas, whatever. And and now this store owner has to basically, as you mentioned, well, create a war zone right. well, in order to, to, to save his livelihood. I, I think in a place where I get the place where I get my groceries all the time, I've got them there for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. I know everybody. Yeah, I know everybody. Right. I, I know everybody so well. I'm Facebook friends with some of the employees, just knowing them from there and the conversations we've had. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to become my Facebook friend because you've got to see my my great nephew or my nephew or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so you know you just you and, and I can imagine going in there one day and all of a sudden there's armed security guards where I'm checking out, looking at me. I mean, everybody. It would be. Is, it, yeah. would, it, it would be a. You it's would, a heightened state. Yes, you would. You would lose that relationship. Well, you, that that is unique it to would a be convenience damaged. store. Yes. If you think about it, yes, right. Yeah. I mean, it is that that uh, friendly store on the corner. I mean, in many cases, not right. every, but you know, you, yeah, you, you you just you want that it. simple right. experience. Go in and you know, hey, how's it going? There you go, and then boom. But what other choice? What other choice does he does he have? He's fighting again, fighting for his. Business right. caused by what? The government. The government. Not actually the, because the would the criminals be there if the government was really cracking down on crime in these cities? And I will say, crime would still happen, but there'd be a lot less. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. While the recent rise in storm activity the past couple of weeks focused on the U.S. coast, USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says in the coming week, We do have some optimism also for the nation's currently driest areas, really an area focused on the central Great Plains, all desperately dry. One storm system is expected to arrive in the central plains region starting Thursday yet should miss the dry winter wheat and pasture and rangeland areas. As for a second, stronger system next week across the Great Plains and into Canada. Anyone along and northwest of that storm track is going to experience cold conditions, heavy snow, and high winds. Despite short-term delays and challenges, Rippey says longer-term benefits are expected for topsoil, pasture and rangelands, and winter wheat. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio, and he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. 86690-RED-EYE, coming up following the bottom of the hour. Pearl Harbor Day, Elon Musk, Jim Baker. <laughs> All that from uh, yesterday we will uh, we will get to here in a little bit. Uh, just uh, briefly, just want to chat about uh, Georgia. Uh, Warnock winning uh, over Walker. Right now it's almost a three-point difference, which fits in what a lot of the polls showed. It's yeah. close to what the majority of the yeah, polls. Yeah, some of the later polls yeah. uh, did. Uh, no no surprise. Look, I I don't want to harp on it because 
people would probably say we did for the last six months, but we always thought that Walker was a was a bad candidate, as were a number of the Republican Senate candidates, and all underperformed uh, other uh, Republican uh, uh, candidates. I guess the question is, will the Republican Party live and learn from this, from an election that should have been a lot easier to uh, to win, uh, to another election in 2024, which I still believe is a great potential for an easy win mm. if they just get their heads on right and communicate effectively and pick uh, candidates, as we like to call it, the the template is out there. It's yeah. out there. Yeah, it's the DeSantis model. Yep, you want to win. That's what you do. You project the ultimate incompetence, the ultimate uh, in uh, critical thinking skills, and you focus on the five six issues that get you the win each and every time. And if the media does attack you. When you attack back, you are strong, effective, because you're right every time you take them on. in place. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara 86690 Red Eye. So yeah, I think some a lot of the talk you're going to hear this uh, this this week concerning uh Twitter will be about the uh, firing of uh, Jim Baker, hmm. uh, uh formerly an FBI agent uh involved in uh the um the uh, uh the uh, the warrant, the secret warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh you know that we all know about the uh, Carter Page warrant, right? Yeah, yeah. the Carter Page warrant uh, also involved in the other uh, the uh, a player in the other enterprise of Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman is who he approached uh, at the, the the FBI, which is with his false story about Trump and communicating with the Alpha Bank, uh, and then he left the FBI because of accusations of of leaking. Well, then he went over and became chief counsel. Uh, at Twitter. And so him being in the FBI and all we know about the FBI and the allegations made, for example, from Miranda Devine of the New York Post, it said, look, this this is, uh, you know, this whole thing with the FBI. You want the free speech issue, the constitutional free speech issue. Mm. This goes to the FBI manipulating all of this, which is a government agency with Twitter and feeding them false information when they had the laptop and they knew what was going on. Yeah. And as she stated in an article last week, that uh, well, how did the FBI know the New York Post is going to do the story? Right? How did they know something was coming? How would they possibly know the New York Post was going to do it? And as she said, because they had a covert warrant out on uh, you know uh, applied to Rudy Giuliani, who broke the story, right? And they were monitoring his emails where he was talking to the computer store owner. And talking to her, Miranda Devine, who was part of writing the article in the breaking story for the New York Post. Right. That's how they knew it was happening, is what her claim is. So that's all going to be fascinating. But one of the things we have seen, uh, except for one article in Salon, and, and we referenced it, and so did Jonathan Turley in his analysis of it for just how stupid and off-base it was, 
was how the media is just completely trying to ignore that this is ever happening. And as Turley said, they can't. They can't because people now realize that they were lied to. Right. And so there is an interest that exists uh, out there in people, and you're just not going to be able to stop it. But I thought this was really interesting because we also talked about the fact that Musk is an individual that is hated by the left right now. Yeah. They hate him so much. They cannot, you know, they can't let this go. They're trying to find any way to discredit him. And every time they do it, it just brings back the fact that, wait a minute, you're the media. You help hide this true story, too. But this is a I want to read just a couple of sentences from uh, AmericanMind.org. Peachy Keenan wrote this called The Electrifying Musk. Hmm. Now, parts of it I don't agree with, like, for example, where uh, she says uh, he has basically perfected self-driving cars, which he has not. Uh, But uh, she says, as the stranger says in the dude, or about the dude in the Big Lebowski, sometimes there's a man. He's the man for his time and place. He just fits right in there. Hmm. Elon had miraculously accomplished what a nasty army of all-powerful tech gods had decreed was impossible. This storming of the digital Bastille, along with other dangerous things like removing child sexual abuse material from Twitter and allowing free discourse again to flow, has now made Elon Musk public enemy number one. Quote, this is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, uh, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. End of quote. He tweeted. Elon Musk is indeed the man for our time and place. He seems perfectly uniquely fit for the current moment. He was already in the running for greatest entrepreneur and Twitter uh, poster worldwide. His legions of haters clawed his heels while he builds Tesla gigafactories around the world, perfects self-driving cars, and lands giant flaming booster rockets onto floating landing pads in the middle of the ocean by remote control. He likes to give his projects whimsical names. He named the floating landing pad, Of Course I Love You. His underground tunnel boring company is The Boring Company, which, like his acquisition of Twitter, started life as a throwaway tweet. When he became Twitter CEO, he named himself Chief Twit. He sold 10,000 bottles of uh, $100 perfume called Burnt Hair, which actually smelled like burnt hair. Please buy my perfume so I can buy Twitter, he posted at the time. Uh, <laughs> he brought down the house again on December 2nd with a comedy blockbuster when he unleashed the Twitter files. Proof again that we far-right conspiracy theorists were right. The FBI and the highest levels of government illegally conspired with big tech stooges to suppress, censor, and silence proof of Joe Biden's corrupt family business dealings. Terrible, yes, but entertaining in the extreme. Unlike other tech billionaires, they may be smart and savvy, but none can match Elon's pure showmanship and wry wit. And goes on to talk about how he's a circus ringmaster. Uh, since seizing Twitter, he has scared the circus clowns back into their clown cars, and they are hightailing it to the White House to cry at press briefings. Brittle humorlessness is what Elon's enemies have in common. These people have lost the will to laugh and to live sad. And then she just goes mm-hmm. through about, and, and this is something that you and I talked about mm, a couple of days ago, 
He is such a celebrity. He is such a fascinating. Look, we've criticized him uh, yeah. in, in for things in the past, mm-hmm. but he is such a. You think about it, he is the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. If you want the most right. interesting man in the world. No, it's not Cory Booker. Uh, <laughs> you had to be no. listening earlier in the show. No, it is. Uh, no, it isn't. But it's Elon Musk. There is nobody who is more fascinating than him. And now he is this this person who has ridden to the rescue for free speech, transparency, and openness. Even if you're not on Twitter, yeah. you understand what he is doing. He's almost like the Lone Ranger, like a modern-day Superman who is coming to the rescue because he's doing something when you look at it that nobody else could have done because nobody else had the $44 billion to do that. I think there's that's part of the reason. Uh, uh, just, big just, part just of the part, reason. Just part, yeah, yes. Just part of the reason right. that he, uh, that Twitter is gaining more users. I think it's just that's just part of it, but I think it's a big part of it. That people are looking at it going, all right, you, you know what? I don't really care about tweeting or whatever, but I'm going to get an account and and see what it's all about. See what's going on. Because well, this sounds inviting here. If you've got a, uh, first of all, it is entertaining all day. But the idea of opening, you know, Twitter back up and saying every opinion is welcome is inviting to a lot of people. But I think it built a lot of curiosity in in a ton of people that had never used Twitter. As you mentioned, there are a lot of people out there that, and a lot of people never will. But I think curiosity was built on, you know, all right, we're going to take this whole thing on. If you think about it, it's like something out of a movie. The world's richest man goes in and buys massive social media giant Twitter and opens it up and then, boom, just, well, here we go. we got a bunch of files of what they were doing here before right. and just throws it out well, there for he, he is, the public to see in, in a very transparent manner. He is he is challenging the the powerful that have controlled the status quo as one man. And and that you don't see that what you don't see this happening. It's really an amazing moment in American history because you don't see these kind of things happening. I thought about the other day. I said, well, either he'll make money on Twitter now because eventually long term, this is what the people actually want. You see, he's getting some advertisers back again right now. They're coming They're They're coming back or he loses it. But he goes down. But he this may give him other credibility in other businesses, whatever he wants to do, because the common man agree the the uh, the establishment hates him, mm-hmm. and people are always looking for someone who's willing to go against the establishment. Example: Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But he's not a Donald Trump. He's different. He goes against the establishment, but does it with such a great sense of humor and actually because of his wealth and everybody knows it every there isn't anybody out there that looks and go my god he could lose his whole 44 billion dollar investment but he's doing it 
you know, he's taking a gamble. And maybe part of the gamble is I'm going to open this up to free speech and maybe I can make more. I'm not taking the profit motive out of the consideration. But what he is doing is what we expect people to do with their wealth. And that is to do good and to have more openness and transparency and to break open the cartel of of censorship that exists, not just in in the the government, but in the media, the -hmm. media and the government. Mm -hmm. And he is challenging the status quo like no one other person has done. I can look at this in the history of the United States. When you actually look at the moment that's happening now, it's huge. Well, it's so interesting that uh, arguably one of the top innovators of EV technology and mainstreaming electric vehicles in the modern age could be the downfall for many on the left. Yeah. He could be the guy that just kicks the whole... Now, you may say, all right, uh, that's not going to bode well for him. Actually, I think he looks at it from a, a... I've got to earn it approach, aside from government subsidies. But selling the idea of an electric vehicle, he wants you to buy into that. And he's and here, here's how he's going to do it. He's going to explain it to you like a geek. I'm still not sold, but that's the way he works. Right. And, and by the way, we're not practice. We don't practice uh, <laughs> idolatry here. Well, and we, I we would, just I would, political I idolatry he, or yeah. Twitter idolatry. We just I'm just looking at it, going this ha- this hasn't happened before. And when I read her article. No, she may be a, a fangirl. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm simply looking at when she wrote it, I went, wow, there's a lot of solid points in here because you don't see this. You don't see a billionaire stating, I'm buying this in order to bring transparency, openness, and expose the censorship and the wanting to uh, trample down on ideas from the media and the the liberal establishment in the United States, when he is, and this is the other thing, is he's been a liberal most of his life. Well, that's one thing I was going to say, and, and I've said it before. Look, don't be quick to label him as a as a conservative. I think that would be a mistake. Because I think there, in the future, that that you, if you believe that and and you think that you know he's a full on conservative, you may be disappointed down the road. And that goes back to the idolatry comment you just made. It's not about idolatry. It's about the very dynamics of what's going on right now. And if you think about it, seriously, the fallout from this is huge. Yeah, I said it from the beginning when the lawsuit, when they were threatening the lawsuit. Look, Twitter, if he backs out of the deal and doesn't go through the purchase you better hope he backs out because that's about the time he started promising, oh, no, 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 we'll just open it all up and we'll find out what was going on and we'll make sure that everybody, you know, is, is has a voice and blah, 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 blah. And I said it. I said, Twitter better hope that he goes through with the purchase or, or that he backs out and that he doesn't go through with the purchase. That's the best scenario for them because it's going to expose potentially a lot about their behavior, and it already has. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. 
Hey, it's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. December 7th, uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, when, when uh, the USS Missouri, where they, you know, signed the, uh, you know, the surrender uh, mm. uh, of Japan, uh, is uh, I got on before when they brought it uh, to Pearl Harbor. I got to stand right at the, the place where they signed the surrender documents. And, you know, you just stand, you know, you, there's a little dome right there. You look at it. That's an emotional moment. Then you look right out in front of it, mm. and there you see the, you know, USS Arizona Memorial. And I'm telling you, I just thinking of it, I start breaking up. Yeah. It is, you know, it's such a, um, such an emotional, uh, you know, moment because you see where it began and then you see where it ended. Yeah. Right. World, World War Two. Right. And you think about all the lost souls and you know what happened, you know, on that day and. And what it led the United States to get involved with, which really, you know, where, where would we be today if the United States didn't get involved? What would the world look like if we didn't get involved at that time? No, I mean, when you stop and think about how much weight is in the question you just asked and you contemplate all the possibilities. Wow. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.